Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see all y'all awake this morning. Good, good. So I have to confess, one of the reasons why that I wanted to preach through the Ten Commandments is because I really just want an excuse to talk about the Sabbath. I love the Sabbath. The Sabbath is so good. It's one of God's best gifts. And I'm convinced that I don't think I could even be in ministry today uh, if it wasn't for the Sabbath. My, my marriage wouldn't be as strong. My connection to my kids would be weaker. My relationship with God would be weaker. I think my body would be more worn out. My mind would be worn out. Uh, I mean, Sabbath has really transformed me. Uh, it's sustained me, and it's saved me from, I think, a lot of unknown heartache and pain. And so I want to tell you this morning about this amazing gift that God has given us. But we have a serious problem in our world with a proper balance of work and rest. It is harder than ever in our culture to live in this proper balance. And I think there are uh, at least three reasons why. Uh, There are more than this, but three main ones come to mind for me. Uh, One is the disbursement uh, and mobility of the family these days. You see, for centuries, families shared both economic and household work multi-generationally you know, with grandparents and great-grandparents and aunts and uncles. So now most people today, uh, whether they live as singles or as a nuclear family, they are bearing the burden of all of the economic and the household work, but it's with less people. So that's, that's a big reason. So you wonder why you feel tired. <laughs> so that, that's number one. And a second reason why this is harder than ever is a little invention called the light bulb. For most of human history, people just had to go to bed when it got dark. <laughs> I experience this when I go camping. Laura and I love to go camping. And it's amazing, even with the technology of the flashlight on my phone, it's amazing how little you can do when the sun goes down. It's like, well, we might as well rest in the tent, and gosh, I'm going to start falling asleep while the sun goes down. Who would have thought that that was a good idea? (laughs) So the second reason is the light bulb. A third reason is the cell phone you have in your pocket or purse right now. You know, in the Industrial Revolution... You know, the work moved outside the home. And especially men at that time, men went off to work, removed from the home, but at least work was there. And uh, over time, you know, labor laws were enacted. So work was for a set period of time away from the home. But now you add to, to that burden, now with technology and your computer and with your cell phone, not only is work outside the home, it's back inside the home as well. Because you can always check one more email. You can always look at one more thing. People can reach you at any time, 24-7, so you're constantly on, 24-7, 365. This is a huge problem because overwork leads to chronic stress and exhaustion, which causes serious problems for your mental, your physical, and your spiritual health, not to mention it harms all your important relationships, especially your most important relationship, your relationship with God. So I want to introduce you to this morning the oldest spiritual practice in the, in the world because it literally goes all the way back to creation. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And if you're just joining us this morning, we're in a sermon series on the Ten Commandments today, how ancient laws lead to a flourishing life. And I think practicing the Sabbath is crucial to that flourishing life for yourself, for the church, for the community, and for all creation. So it's the fourth commandment. So We need to spend some time this morning explaining the history of this commandment and what it is. So if you remember from the first sermon in this series, we talked about the Ten Commandments 
uh, actually are listed twice in the Bible. So we're going to look at the first one in Exodus 20. So the Lord says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the, seventh, uh, blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the people are told to remember, remember the Sabbath. So that tells me they already knew about the Sabbath, right? If you remember something, you, are, you already know about it. Why do they know about it? Because they knew the creation story. The Sabbath is woven into the fabric of creation itself. It's, it's part of the rhythm of how this universe functions. And actually, if you read it, the Sabbath is the pinnacle of the creation story. I don't know about you, but I was taught in Sunday school growing up that us humans were the pinnacle of God's creation, right? Like God makes everything. He makes, the, he makes the sea and the land and the stars and the sky and everything. And then he makes us humans who are made in his image, meant to rule on his behalf. But I would love to suggest to you, as important as we think we are, that that's a little bit too human-centered of a framing of the story. And it's actually not the climax of the story. It says God makes us. And then there's another day, the seventh day where God rests. The Sabbath is not a sad end to the creation story. It is the pinnacle. It is the climax of the story because God created us. He created this, this space and time where humans could live with him and in harmony of all that God made. So God blesses that day. It's rooted in his creation. And when we rest, we imitate him, what he modeled for us when we Sabbath. Another reason why the people already knew about the Sabbath, because they were already practicing it before they get to Mount Sinai and God gives them the Ten Commandments. Do you remember the story of the miraculous manna from heaven? This is before Exodus 20. This is like Exodus 16. Six days the manna came down, the bread for the people in the wilderness. But on the seventh day, they were not to go out and collect more. Enough was provided on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh. So the Sabbath was a practice that was established in creation and given prior to the Ten Commandments. And then 40 years later, when we get to Deuteronomy, it's the commandment is repeated to the next generation. But the wording has changed somewhat significantly. So this is probably the commandment with most differences between the Exodus version and the version in Deuteronomy. So let's look at the version here. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son your daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your ox, nor your donkey, or any of your animals, creations participating in this, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. And the reasoning is changed. Remember you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. A few things have changed from the Exodus version to the Deuteronomy version. Uh, instead of just remembering the Sabbath, the people are told to observe or keep it. And I wonder if the, the Lord knew that that wasn't strong enough of a word. Because <laughs> it's not enough just to think about the Sabbath or remember the Sabbath. The point is to practice it, keep it, observe it. Um, and so we're going to talk about how do we observe the Sabbath. 
But before we talk about how it applies to today, we need to know how important it has been to God's people. Uh, and the fact that it's one of the Ten Commandments, that's a clue, right? Uh, in the first sermon of the series, we talked about the Ten Commandments' uniqueness, their enduring, enduring quality. They were literally in the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and so I think it's difficult to say, well, only nine out of ten of these apply to today, and, and one, uh, one really doesn't. I think that's difficult to say. Yes, we apply all ten of them in light of Christ and the New Covenant, but the enduring importance of the Sabbath remains. The scholar Patrick Miller says, the Sabbath is more often referred to than any other commandment except possibly the first or second commandment. So it's right up there with worshiping no other gods or no idols in terms of how often it's referenced. It's all over the Old Testament. If you want to know what's important to somebody, you listen to what they say, how often they talk about it, what they're passionate about. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, you read God's word and Sabbath is all, all over the Bible. It's all over the Old Testament. Jacob Milgram says the Sabbath is the only holiday commanded in the, in the Ten Commandments. It's the only command grounded in creation, and it's mentioned by all sources and genres, uh, including prophecy, history, poetry, narrative, and law. It's all over the Bible. Further, we can tell the, important, we can tell the importance of an Old Testament law sometimes in how uh, severe the penalty is, the punishment is for breaking that law. Uh, and it may come as a shock, but the, breaking the Sabbath was a capital offense under the Old Covenant. And it's kind of shocking, but that's how important this was to the sustaining of God's people in their life. And along with idolatry and social injustice, this is one of the primary reasons the prophet said that God was upset with the people and when they were punished with exile to Babylon. So that's a little bit of the Old Testament. Now then we get to the New Testament and how to keep the Sabbath is a big tension between Jesus and the Pharisees. Uh, but it wasn't a matter of if the Sabbath should be observed, but a matter of how the Sabbath should be observed. Jesus never abolishes the Sabbath. In fact, his ministry is inspired by Sabbath principles. In fact, in Luke 4, this is what many consider Jesus' inauguration speech when he gets up to read from the prophet Isaiah. It says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So Jesus practiced the Sabbath. He went to the synagogues with God's people to worship like they had been doing. And there on the Sabbath day, he proclaims his ministry of Jubilee, where God was going to lift up the broken, the lowly, the poor, the oppressed, and restore them to well-being. So Jesus' ministry is based on Sabbath principles, and it's launched on the Sabbath. And he himself practiced the Sabbath. And in one of his debates with the Pharisees, he famously says in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus affirms that God made the Sabbath for us, for our well-being, for our good. It's a blessing, not a burden. So Jesus upholds God's original intention, his original design for the Sabbath, to bring blessing, to bring rest, to bring life back to us, his creatures. Now, there is a lot of debate about, you know, whether or how exactly is the Sabbath a requirement or not for New Testament Christians. Uh, to be honest with you, we do not have the time this morning to get into all of the debates or look at all the scriptures. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, ha has two different places, two verses where Essentially, he says, don't let anyone condemn you about the Sabbath. Or if you consider every day alike, don't let people condemn you for that. Now, 
scholars debate, you know, it's not really fully clear if he's abolishing the Sabbath or not. Uh, but the fact is, the church clearly continued the pattern of weekly worship, both in the New Testament itself and also for the last 2,000 years. So it's a sign that the weekly, the weekly gathering of worship that was present on the Sabbath day uh, permanently remained and still remains to this day. Uh, but I will say this, Sabbath is not a matter of salvation. No one can condemn you, no one can exclude you out of the church or salvation uh, if you don't practice the Sabbath. We know, we know that for sure. We're not saved by the Sabbath, just like you're not saved by reading the Bible. But both are healthy practices that cultivate flourishing, that connect us with God, and that shape us by God's priorities. And in church, I do believe there is freedom in how we discern practicing the Sabbath in our own lives. Uh, living under Christ is different than living under Israel. Um, remember I said in the first sermon on the series that the Ten Commandments, they were uh, kind of like the constitution for the people of God, protecting freedoms for God's people. So God is setting up a society under his authority where every person, where even the animals, were given a day off, guaranteed a day off for rest. So the difference is now in the church today, uh, we are not your employer. We are not your governors. We are not your politicians, thank God. So we can't determine your work schedule. Um, and many people, by necessity, have to work odd hours, you have to work weekends, things like that. Um, so in that sense, I believe there is freedom in how we rest as Christians. And you, you might have to work on the weekends. Um, you might need to rest on a different day. And so I really have no command from the Lord. Uh, but I would say, given the present crisis, given all the things I just talked about, all the new technologies, given that people are exhausted and they feel disconnected from God and they're not resting enough, I do think it is good and right for everyone, if you're able, to take a, a weekly Sabbath, a 24-hour period off of work. Now, even if you aren't currently able to do that, I encourage you to find ways to begin getting closer to that, developing that in, in your life, to rely upon the church's help, your friends or family, or talking, even talking with your employer that this is a priority of yours, that you value a weekly rest on the Lord's Day. So it is a, to me, Sabbath is a life-giving life-sustaining practice. It doesn't save us for salvation, but it might just save your relationship with God. It might save your marriage. It might save your relationship with your kids. It might save your health, because some of you are working yourselves to death. So given the present crisis, I encourage the Sabbath. So I hope you're convinced to find a way to make this happen in your life. So how do we do it? How do we practice the Sabbath? I'm going to give you an acronym, the acronym REST. REST. What are we going to do? You're going to remember, you're going to enjoy, stop, and you're going to take care. Let's talk about these. The first one, what are we going to do to Sabbath? We're going to remember the Lord in worship. Remember the Lord in worship. The Sabbath was not simply a day off of work. It was a day that was kept holy. Now, when that's used in the Bible, it's something that's set apart for God, not just for ourselves, but for God. It's dedicated to God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God, the commandment says. So it's a, it's a period of time set apart and given over to God. And Christians, they have often called their day of rest not Sabbath, but the Lord's day. This is His day. This is the day I'm dedicating to the Lord. Yes, it's a day of rest, but it's not ultimately about us. It's ultimately about Him. It's His day. 
It's a day to celebrate all that God has done. And remembering is the key to this. In fact, uh, so the first commandment in Exodus said, remember the Sabbath day. And then in Deuteronomy, it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. They were to remember this great act of salvation in redemption. And one of the ways that God's people have done this act of remembering for centuries was to gather for a time of worship. In fact, in the version in Leviticus, I have this up for you, it says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. So it's not said exactly what this sacred assembly was, but we know that over time that this, this became the weekly gathering in the synagogue to hear from God's word, to worship, and to remember. And this is the practice that Jesus participated in as he practiced the Sabbath, as was his custom. So in the early church continued this practice of a weekly gathering to, to worship God and to remember their redemption. But the church remembers an even greater redemption than that of the exodus out of Egypt. Because Jesus died on Friday, he rested in the tomb on the Sabbath day, and then on the first day of the week, he rose again. He defeated death. The resurrection is our redemption because it's, it's the foretaste of our deliverance out of this fallen world, out of, out of death and sin and decay. It's our hope of life everlasting in the world to come. And so the first day of the week became the most important day for Christians to remember their redemption. And this is probably a big reason why the weekly celebration of the Sabbath and, God, and worship moved from Saturday to Sunday for the church. And essentially for 2,000 years, the church has been saying to its people, remember that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again on the Lord's day. Therefore, come gather to worship, to celebrate and to remember the redemption and the sacrifice that he's made for us. And when we take communion, right, do this in remembrance of me. It's all done to remember what God has done. I'm always thinking about how am I going to pass on my faith to my kids and then my grandchildren and the next generation? How are we going to do this? And I think one of the best things we can do is to make the weekly gathering for worship uh, this bedrock commitment and foundation in your family's rhythm. Sometimes I wonder why. Why, why is it that our life together seems like the only optional commitment we have out of all the other commitments we make. It seems like this one's the one we can't, okay, well, I can miss that one for everything else. I mean, what, what would it say to our community if we started saying to people, well, I'm going to miss the game because I'm committed to worshiping with my church on the Lord's day? What would that do for our witness in the community? What kind of faith will it shape for the next generation? if they learn that worship on the Lord's day is foundational, not, not optional, not an optional commitment of your family? What if we streamed when we're vacationing, but not out, not out of convenience? You know, we, want, we want to make this foundational. The Sabbath is not simply a personal day off. It's a, it's a day for the community of God's people to remember that God has, has saved them, how he loves them, and how he's redeemed them. We need to remember the Lord and worship. The second thing we're going to do is that we're going to enjoy the Lord 
creation, and people. Sometimes I think about what could Adam and Eve do on that first Sabbath day? They're made on the sixth day, so really their first day of existence is a day to celebrate. It's a day to rest. What could they go do? There weren't, there weren't buildings, there weren't activities, there weren't all kinds of other stuff. And I think about really there was just three things that they could do. They could talk and walk with God. They could enjoy Him. They could enjoy one another in their presence. And they could go out and explore God's beautiful creation, this beautiful garden that He had made for them to live in. That's a good recipe for a good Sabbath day, if you ask me. Isaiah 58 says this, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Again, Scripture says the Sabbath is not a day to simply do as, as we please, to, to keep our life going on as it normally goes on, uh, but primarily we're invited to find joy in the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. You wonder why you feel weak. You wonder why you feel so tired and burnt out. We need to find the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of God in His presence is what strengthens us for life's dif- difficulties and trials and tasks. So we're to rejoice in in God and find Him to be the source of our supreme happiness and joy. We do this when we worship, when we gather together as God's people, when we we enjoy the company of friends and family. And hopefully, hopefully I think of the Sabbath, it's like a weekly Thanksgiving. It's like I'm off work, I get to celebrate my friends, I get to eat good food, I get to celebrate my family. It's this joyous time where I'm celebrating something good, I'm being grateful for the gift of life, for the gift of my redemption in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time to have joy and be grateful for life's blessings. And just like Adam and Eve could do on their Sabbath, I hope you can find time in your life to enjoy creation, to go for a walk at Herrick Lake, to feel the crunch of the leaves beneath your feet, or to enjoy the snow on a snowy day. These are delights that our Father God has given to us. So we enjoy God, creation, and people. The third thing that we're going to do on the Sabbath is you're going to stop the madness We stop the madness of this life. It's crazy. And by madness, I mean all the things that are working together to keep you exhausted and to keep you tired. It may mean shutting down your cell phone and leaving the laptop away and saying, no, I am resting right now. I'm focusing on something else. You know, there are two really primary aspects to Sabbath observance. On the one hand is what we talked about. It's to the Lord. It's remembering the Lord. It's enjoying the Lord. But it's also ceasing from my normal routines. It's ceasing from work. It's ceasing from all of the things that are invading my life and causing me to be exhausted. In the word Sabbath, Shabbat, it actually means to cease, to stop. It's called the day of complete rest. Now, work is good. Work is a gift from God. Work is how God provides for us and meets our needs and gives us uh, you know, meaning to, to use the skills that God has given us. Um, but work is also a terrible God. A terrible man. And this is how all the commandments are interconnected. Because we often make work an idol. We're looking for work or money to provide us the security, the meaning that we need to get from God. And to take a Sabbath, you need to trust that God can provide for us 
more than working one more day will. We have to trust that our work, the things that we give our lives to, will go on without us. And that God is tending to things even when we cannot tend to them ourselves. We have to trust that God is God. And again, you may be in a situation where you have little control over your work and when when you work. Um, That may be because of inequalities or financial issues. Um, And the Lord knows. The Lord knows. He's compassionate on your situation. But again, as you're able, begin to work up to that 24-hour period where you can cease from work. Um, And if you're honest, maybe some of you might discover that you aren't working really out of necessity, but because you've made money or work an idol. We need to repent of that and say, no, I do not serve them, I serve the Lord. So, so how do you stop? How do you stop the madness? Well, let me tell you, after several years of practicing this myself, let me just tell you my personal experience. Um, I, was, I remember uh, debating this in college with one of my college professors and, and great man of God. And you know, he told me, you know, I, I think, which is generally true, that we're not condemned for how we keep the Sabbath, but generally just rest is a principle. Just fit rest into your life when you can. Uh, And what I discovered was that that advice led me to not really resting at all (laughs) because all the demands of life and all the tasks, there's always more to do. And so maybe you have a different experience than mine, but I'm going to guess if you don't actually set aside a time and put a boundary on it, it's very likely that you won't rest and you'll just keep being exhausted. So I'm just telling you from my personal experience, I think it's better, it's more life-giving when you say, no, this period of time is set apart time where I'm not going to work, I'm going to rest. Now, and I, what I found as I've incorporated this into my life is uh, I was actually, I've actually been able to work harder during the rest of the week because A, I've actually rested, so I feel refreshed, and B, uh, I have a day, full day of rest to look forward to the rest of the week. So as I'm pushing through, I'm getting ready for that, that week of celebration. So it's actually helped me to work harder. And, and I will say this, work, work is good. And there may be some of you here where your concern maybe is not so much burning out, but rusting out. And where you have enough time. And the Lord's given you skills and gifts and you're meant to serve. And so some of you may be on that other end of the spectrum. So think about that. Uh, but for most of you, I think we need to learn how to rest well. And you say, well, Pastor Nate, you don't get it. I'm just too busy. I'm just so busy. Let me tell you this. The busier that you are, the more likely it is you need the Sabbath. In fact, Exodus 34, 21 says this. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even in plowing time and harvest time, you shall rest. What is that? The busiest time of the year for the people, right? When your work is increasing, don't be tempted to slough off the Sabbath, right? And so if you're a, bit, you're a busy season of life, you've got young kids at home or you have pressures at work, you have, you're in school, you have things going on, it's actually you need rest more, I think, to empower you to carry out those tasks that the Lord has given you to do. You know, the Jews practice Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening. And some of you, you might need to think creatively like that. Maybe your Sabbath starts in the evening one day and it continues into part of the next day. That's fair game. You have to think, maybe you can get creative with how you practice this. I would encourage you to stop the madness, find a day of rest. And then finally, what we're going to do is we're going to take care of others. We're going to take care of others. There is a huge component to Sabbath, which I, a uh, social component to Sabbath, which 
I wish I had another sermon to dive into because uh, there's so much here. Uh, Sabbath was not, prim- it's not primarily for ourselves again. It's not, it's not simply a, a self-care day. It's a day to give well-being to other people in my life. This was Jesus' interpretation, I think, of how to practice the Sabbath. You know, his, his disciples, they had to eat. They were hungry. They, they needed to eat. Uh, there were people who were sick that needed to be healed. This is restoring well-being. Is it right to do good on the Sabbath? Is it right to bring healing on the Sabbath? Of course. That's what the Sabbath is designed for, to bring healing and well-being to others. And in Deuteronomy, the people reminded, hey, don't forget, you were slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh, he won't, he won't let you take a day off of work to go worship me in the wilderness. He kept driving you to work. And the Lord, he instituted the Sabbath so that this kind of oppression and injustice would not continue. And then in the commandment, it's that long list, right? Neither, neither, your, neither your servant, your son or daughter, anybody in your house, anybody you're responsible for, your animals, everybody needs to rest. And so really those in authority, those with decision-making power need to give rest to others and take care of others. And if you desire to rest, you should help other people around you rest as well. The Sabbath was made for our well-being. The well-being of humans is what it's all about. And this Sabbath principle was extended into all kinds of other laws that we can't get into, but the sabbatical year where the land was allowed to rest, where the debts were forgiven, where slaves were released, and then there's the year of Jubilee that's based on Sabbath principles, all these things so that oppression would cease in God's name. He wants to give rest and protect our well-being. So the Sabbath is about taking care of that for others. So what, what can we do to take care of others? Well, I would suggest to you one, one way you're already doing this is by your participation and your serving in the worship of God's people. Serving in church, serving in worship is not a contradiction to the Sabbath. It's in the spirit of the Sabbath because what are you doing? You're allowing other people, you're providing a space for people to come and meet with God, to come worship God, to come rest as God's people. That's part of what we do. We, we remember the Lord in worship. So what you do for your brothers and sisters in the church is part of taking care of others and their well-being, and that's good. And if on the, if on the um, you know, and as you're doing that, I just want you to consider this vision. When you, when you make coffee, when you hold open a door, when you run the sound, when you play in the worship team, when you teach the Sunday school class, when you host people in your home for a community group, you're practicing the Sabbath. You're taking care of God's people and their well-being. That's good. And if on the Lord's Day, uh, you know, a need arises, if someone needs help, um, if there's a way to show mercy and kindness to others, please don't consider that an imposition on your self-care day. That's where Sabbath goes haywire. We are about to, it's about taking care of others. It's about taking care of others. If you're a parent, I believe you need to help your kids Sabbath. You need to teach them to learn how to rest. We need to teach them that remembering the Lord's redemption on the Lord's Day is a foundational commitment of being part of God's people. So make sure they have a day of rest. Don't, don't run them ragged with all the options and activities that are out there. Teach them to rest now so that they learn, learn to rest when they're adults. If you're a Christian business owner, if you're in charge of people, if you're an administrator of some kind, you need to help your people rest and take care of rest. And I personally think that the Christian businesses should be better at helping people rest than the secular businesses. And I don't know that we, we always do that, but we need to help people rest. Rest. 
Remember the Lord in worship. We're going to enjoy the Lord, creation, and people. We're going to stop the madness. We're going to take care of others. That's how you rest. You wonder how you rest? That's it right there. So, friends, may you find rest not in this world, but in the Lord. And I want to close with what Jesus said, and I think says to all of us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.